And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Kicking off Monday with a little Baroque. And I did not break it. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hutt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. And we're glad to have all of you with us. We are available and in various different podcast platforms, and we're broadcasting live to Odyssey, YouTube, Facebook, and we're trying to broadcast to locals, and it looks like it's working, <laughs> but I don't, I can't, I can't guarantee the picture is going to be anything uh, worth watching. So we're going to try that. Uh, anyway, all right, so there is uh, a number of different podcast platforms you can find us. Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, uh, wherever fine podcasts are found. Four out of five dentists recommend you listen to us. It's good to have everybody here. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And... We're going to get into it. The music here uh, sort of kind of sets the tone, I guess, because we don't get very often, we don't get uh, opportunities to talk steampunk. We've uh, reviewed a couple of different books here over the years, but we haven't really had that much opportunity to talk uh, about that particular brand of fiction. And today we get to do just that. Joining me uh, from Amsterdam, the V, the, the, I knew it was going to mess this up. The Venice of the North, the capital of the Netherlands, Mr. Bonsart Bokel, who is the author of uh, a new book that's coming out, The Wrench in the Machine. He's also one of the hosts over at the Retro Future Research Foundation. Good afternoon, sir. Good day, sir. Uh, so, this is a this is an interesting uh, an interesting project that you've got here the association of Ishtar, and you yes. have a number of different stories short stories and and novels that are part of this thing. You're working on a comic book idea. This is pretty broad in terms of a story universe, and a lot of people you know they'll they'll start with their one story. Add maybe a second one and a third one, and it expands gradually. But you're diving into everything all at once, aren't you? Um, well, it depends on how you look at it. Um, like, uh, I guess I have to, to start at the beginning uh, of this whole adventure. For it's in a way, it's a project that I've been working on, not with the Association of Ishtar particularly, but um, on Steampunk for next year. It's going to be 10 years that I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. And um, I guess my big lift off was with the Steampunk Beginner's Guide, which is probably one of the biggest uh, steampunk documentaries on the web right now. And um, it's, it's about three hours of content in total uh, at this point, where I discuss steampunk as uh, in character uh, of Dankert Lexicon, a, a character that I created. Um, when I started with the, the steampunk thing, um, I did. In, I wanted to do interviews with, with people from the community 
but I wanted them to be more than just, uh, you know, oh, hi, I'm a, a journalist and I'm going to interview you. You know, I, uh, tell me about this steampunk thing. Uh, no, I wanted to, <laughs> to do it uh, in character. Uh, and thus I created Dankard Lexicon, who became Truest Adventures because I, I wrote like these stories, like how, how Dankard met these people and they would also be in their personas during that interview. Um, so it was also a bit of fiction. And he became like this clanker who who broke into people's houses and complexes and secret laboratories. <laughs> and uh, But I never really flushed out his story. And then I also started a costume group called uh, 113th Ragtag, which was uh, a kind of like an interdimensional A-team. And we had like this storm course for kids when they could use nerf guns and shoot at us and and, and, and throw foam grenades and stuff and, and <laughs> cross hurdles. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, we tried to make a bit of a story around that as well. Uh, but, you know, it's, you only have so much time, so it never really came through. And meanwhile, because I made the Steampunk Beginner's Guide, people kept asking me, like, oh, how do I do this? How do I create this? You know, I want to, I have this idea for a story, because Steampunks are, are storytellers at heart. And, yeah, you know, it was strange that I was talking about a lot of story writing and world building, but I was never doing any of it myself. Not not really. So I picked up writing, but I wanted to be kind of like a, a didactical tool as well that could be used to explore concepts in, in steampunk that go beyond the typical, oh, I have an airship and I'm a sky pirate. <laughs> so uh, that uh, led to uh, the first story I ever created, which I turned into a comic uh, that is available already uh, called S36. And uh, yeah, it's also the story that became like the, the whole foundation for the world building of that, that, that multiverse. Um, but I'll, I'll get into that later. So I hope that answers the question. Well, it does. And, and talking about the documentary, I imagine how you've probably done quite a bit of research into the steampunk aesthetic and, and all of that. How did you get interested in steampunk to begin with? I mean, what was your starting point there? Um, well, for, for most people who get into steampunk, you know, they were already doing it. Um, it was not something that we discovered. We more discovered that people had given it a name. Uh, but I always been a great fan of history and a great fan of science fiction. Uh, I studied history, uh, you know, and you know, and I, I when I discovered uh, Ghost in the Shell in particular, I was hooked to science fiction and that whole idea. And it's it's also very recognizable, uh, especially in the range in the machine. Um, and uh, yeah, I did reenactment for about 14 years, 14th century. One thing that I love about that period is the, well, I mean, it's historical what we did. However, there is a very strange sense of, of uh, retrofuturism because, you know, when you are learning about the medieval period, it's like knights and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, they had like gunpowder, they had these incredible machines, they had like these industrial uh, devices that were horsepowered, but were able to build cathedrals, you know. Right. Uh, and, uh, of course, you've got like the post-apocalyptic uh, Black Death, also that era that like killed a third of the, of the population uh, worldwide. 
So there, it, it, there's an extreme, and also the Hundred Years' War. There are all these like extremely over-the-top things that we cannot imagine happened then. And then at the end of that period, there was this great renaissance. Well, literally, that all started in the 14th century. And um, yeah, and, and I, I love that about the period. You know, our group also had like uh, some, some hand cannons. And like, now, it's, it's, it feels a bit weird. Do do is there a a a good bit of crossover between steampunk enthusiasts and the Society for Creative Anachronisms? I mean, is there is there because I know there's a lot of Civil War reenactments. There's the there's the Larpers and and that that angle on things. Do you interact with other groups that are similar in their interests? Um, well, most definitely. Uh, I don't know that many people that, that are active in the uh, SCA. Um, it's not big here in the Netherlands uh, at all. Like, I, I, there, there used there is one group or used to be a group. I don't even know. Right. Um, but most people that I know, well, a lot of them do go. Are the Renaissance fairs? Is that the same thing? I don't think it is. I, I, it's in that same category, but yeah, the yeah. the Society of Creative Anachronisms. There are a lot of a lot of groups of here in the U.S. and and it does do a lot of the the reenactments and the historical stuff. Uh, but the this it seems to me, especially in the science fiction aspect of it among fandom, it seems like steampunk has this. Very specific, very unique uh, niche inside science fiction fantasy, and it, and it's you know you've got the steam aesthetics, you've got the Victorian era aesthetics, um, but the types of stories that are told also kind of get involved with, in that in that as well, and and it's almost a universal thing. I don't know. I don't know that I've run across very many people who don't like steampunk. I mean, people at least appreciate it for what it is, as far as the the designs and and that sort of thing. Because you've got a little bit of of the Sherlock Holmes era, and whatever else you know, with airships and dirigibles and and whatnot. And we see that kind of bleed into things like the animated Batman series, for example, mm-hmm. yep. where you have that that noir aesthetic with the with the blimps and the airships for the for the gotham police so the ste- I, I steampunk has a lot of influence i uh, i have an explanation for that or at least this is my my personal pet theory uh because steampunk has a very strange universal appeal in the aesthetic um let me talk a little bit about the, my definition of steampunk uh, so it makes it a bit more clear uh because i i use you uh, used the word steampunk for three different things uh, and one is the, I refer to it uh, to the steampunk community, um, which is very important to keep that separate. Right. Then there is the steampunk stories, and then there's the steampunk aesthetic, and they they are uh, I always try to keep them separate as much as possible. Um, or actually, want to talk about more about that. With now, I'm I'm delving into comic books and and and, and writing and aesthetic and how those play together. Uh, where you get some really uh, interesting reactions that are based on on, on on these three things that I just talked about. 
Um, but the aesthetic of steampunk in particular and its community are very inspired by pop culture, more by pop culture than history. When they talk about the Victorian era, for example, they talk about um, the, the pop culture depiction of those eras, right? When you right. Uh, talk about to the average steampunk, you'll notice, the, I've noticed at least, that their historical awareness is very low. Um, you know, not to say that there are people that know like absolutely everything about a particular subject, uh, but most of them, they know... If you ask them who Bismarck is, they think you're talking about the battleship, you know? Um, right. So, uh, you know, one of the most important politicians of the 19th century and, well, probably of, of the last 200 years. But, um, you know, that's if you don't know who that is, you know, you don't know a lot about the 19th century. You just don't. Uh, but, you know, ask them about, I don't know, Spring Hill Jack or some, some pop culture uh, vintage, uh, remnant from that era. Yeah, they'll know that. They'll know Frankenstein, of course. Uh, so they're really, I like to see the steampunks as curators of pop culture history. Uh, and the, the thing with that is that when, uh, let's say, the Marvel movies came out, a lot of steampunk started to do Marvel stuff. You know, steampunk right. uh, Iron Man and, and Batman and steampunk Superman. So the steampunk community moves along with the same trends as the mainstream does. They just add that historical element to it, uh, you know, the repurposed uh, components and, and, and brass and, and that, that color scheme. Um, and, uh, you know, when you are on events, um, you know, uh, mom, dad and the children, they come there and dad likes the machinery. Mom likes the dresses and the kids, they like whatever is shiny and, and moves uh, you know, and, 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 and strange stuff that, that they often bring. And I think that's, you know, one of the, uh, the, the main elements. And one of the other benefits is there is no major company like Disney sponsoring your events. Everyone can do whatever they want. Uh, and, uh, you know, everything is weird. Everything is, is strange. Uh, but, you know, everyone knows, for example, who Frankenstein is. Or, you know, you don't need a lot of, knowledge of more uh, specific things about the marvel universe to to enjoy uh, being on a steampunk event uh, because you know a little bit about history you you know what you like and uh, yeah there, there are just really weird things you've never seen anywhere else before you know um how many death pools uh does it take for you to get this interested <laughs> well and it's funny you mentioned that with with regard to marvel there's an artist uh who goes by the the nom de plume of of Siloff, who has uh tricked out various different action figures in lots of different uh themes uh, steampunk being one of them, this is part of his Steam Wars line, where basically he redesigns all of the Star Wars characters with that that uh, steampunk uh, clockwork type of of aesthetic. And this is the kind of thing you're talking about, where you take something that's from from one type of 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 genre, for lack of a better word, and modifying it for the visual aspects of it. As opposed to the historical type of things where uh, you're getting a little bit more realistic into the research and the history about whatever it is that you're talking about. And it's yep. it's interesting to see that distinction because 
you're right. I, I think there's probably not as many people nowadays who've heard of Otto von Bismarck and and you know the the beginnings of World War One and and you know now you've got uh, here in Dayton, Ohio, they've decided that they're going to tear down the building where the Wright brothers had their bicycle shop. You know this this uh, oh. it feels like we're losing an appreciation for our history on one side of things, but steampunk does does kind of give us an avenue to study at least pieces of history because you're looking at the, the you know the the late 1800s 19th century type of thing yep. and the stories that go along with it for better or worse they'll sometimes reflect the historical settings of the story sometimes they take a little bit of liberty with what they can get away with because, again, you know, it's speculative fiction and whatnot. Now, you've got this story here, The Wrench in the Machine, and I've listened to the first chapter that you've got posted over on YouTube. My impression, if somebody were to ask me what, what this story is, the first thing that comes into my head is it's kind of a Sherlock Holmes type of story written by H.P. Lovecraft. Because yeah. the, there yeah. are there are horror aspects that can be introduced into the steampunk uh, sandbox genre. genre. Yes, sandbox is a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this. So tell me what this the wrench in the machine is about. Let's let's talk about that one for a minute. I find it very hard to explain myself. Um, <laughs> like I said, the, the, the wonderful thing about steampunk is you can like blend all these things together and uh, the association of Ishtar, like I said, uh, I wrote it to be a very speculative series. Uh, I also want other people to partake in it. And um, what I basically wrote, if you're familiar with the SCP Foundation, um, it, it's kind of like a steampunk variant of that. Um, where I write all these case files of things that uh, the Association of Ishtar discover in the multiverse. Mm -hmm. uh, their job is to basically find out what's what's out there in the multiverse, what is a threat, what is not, um, uh, and, 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 and yeah, make files on them so they can advise uh, governments and, and other agencies on how to deal with certain threats that, that come out of this, this multiverse. Yeah, that's uh, our old wiki website, I hope, to... Uh, to, to, to finish the new website pretty soon. But yeah, all those blue ones are case files and uh, they explore like the various discoveries that they made. And basically the wrench in the machine uh, is uh, inspired by, I think six of those short stories uh, that, that basically combine uh, some very unlikely uh, creatures with, uh, you know, with each other because they all exist in the same multiverse. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, I what I basically did was like, oh, I like this character. This is a popular character with the the current readers. Uh, let's see what what she can do, and let's put her against that because why not? And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty damn proud with the result. And um, yeah, that's uh, that makes this also a supplement because the S36 that is the uh, the that's antagonist for this book. Okay, and that's the file name, so S36 would be the, the entry point there for the case file. Yeah. So how do yeah. you decide, what, what's your process for deciding 
this story is going to be a comic book, this story is going to be a book book, this story is going to be an online thing, this story is going to be an audio book. How do you determine which story gets told which way? Um, well, basically what I feel like. Uh, like I, I, I don't work for a publisher. Um, well, I, I do have a publisher, but they're like, yeah, do whatever the hell you want and then uh, we'll publish it if you like it, you know. Um, so I, I'm not working on a very professional level, but um, for me, it's it's a learning experience. Uh, speaking of which, that's exactly what this is. It's the the, the comic itself is very short uh, because I wanted to know. Okay, uh, I'm not an artist myself, so I need to commission my art. And uh, yeah, this is basically my attempt at making a comic. I'm pretty uh, pretty proud of the result, and it's padded out with another uh, side story, which is a series that I also have in my head also taking place in that universe and uh yeah that's i'm I'm just gonna gonna keep working on on those short stories uh i just finished a new short story that i hope to include with the next comic Uh, i have the story for that done as well i'm just looking for you know what artist uh, can i use uh if artists are listening i am taking commissions currently um and uh, you know it, it's just a big adventure for me I'm, I'm i'm doing whatever i feel like doing at the time um it's a bigger challenge to actually get it done uh but uh yeah i'm, I'm very diligent so that will that yeah you mentioned earlier uh opening it up for other people to contribute are, there, are you working with other people uh, as of yet or is this all on you you talk about bringing in uh, some first- artists the first story uh, is already online. This is a story by Mark Brandon, who uh, wrote uh, a steampunk uh, anthology, The Colossus of the Thames and other tales. Uh, a very, uh, he submitted a very uh, Robert E. Howard-esque uh, story. Um, I forgot the name right now. Um, what else uh, do we uh, have? I've got some other uh, people, uh, one amateur who uh, wants to try his hand at uh, submitting a story. I've got some other uh, writers who said that they are interested, um, but, you know, it's, it's a matter of time. And I recently wrote a primer that's, uh, that's on the blog of the website you showed uh, that's, you know, kind of like explains what, what, what the idea is and then, you know, the type of deal. So. So how how yeah. how tightly do other contributors need to stick to the the show bible for lack of a better term? I mean, do they get a lot of flexibility in what kind of stories they're able to tell? Or do they have to stay very close to a to a specific narrow definition of these are the kinds of stories that fit in this universe? Um well, not really. Well, what what I basically done, one of the reasons that I chose a multiverse was that, uh, you know, people could create their own worlds. Uh, I At the time, I thought people would be most interested in writing their ideas for steampunk worlds, because that seemed to be like a very preoccupation of a lot of these people. Like, oh, I'm working on this story, and it's going to be a world like this and this. And it's like, okay, well, uh, here is a, a challenge for you to to write that world, from, see, a scene from the perspective of the association, essentially. And uh, the, the, the idea, there is also this thing in the world or in the universe, I should say, that uh, destroys everything that leaves its plane of origin for too long. Um, so you cannot like say, oh, I'm going to take my armies and start invading all these primitive worlds and strip their resources. That's not going to work. 
Um, so uh, other worlds cannot really interfere with one another, not right. not at a large scale anyway. Um, and um, yeah, that is now also one of the, the central uh, antagonists of the series, really, where uh, all these these groups are trying to figure out why are things falling apart if they're uh, off their home world for too long, you know? So it's it's funny how that how that bit of world building works. And, you know, and that's also why I wrote so many short stories to begin with, to like have all those different ideas clash and, and can it work? And, uh, and that's also one thing I love about the SCP series of stories that they have like where they can like include all these various horrific uh, horror concepts and see what happens if they if they start clashing with each other and when they come in conflict with one another. Yeah, on the website it says here the talking about the association of in, uh, of Ishtar in the multiverse. The association is a clandestine organization of volunteers who protect their world, codenamed Atlas, from the many threats to lurk beyond anomalies called rifts. They're gateways to other planes of existence. And they record their discoveries in case files to help instruct government agencies on how to counter various outsider threats. Now that that description right there to me, would open up stories like uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen all the way yep. through to something like um, Pacific Rim, almost. Because, you know, if you have this rift, you have this gateway, you could introduce kaiju into this, you could introduce, you know, you like you talk about Frankenstein's monster, you've got all sorts of different potential threads that you could set up. How far... Are you open to going in terms of aliens and creatures and supernatural things and beasties and goblins and ghoulies? Or, or, or are, we, are we at that point where you're able to do well, those kind of stories? Well, uh, like kind of like one of my ideas was, and, and I don't know if that's manageable. I don't know if that's what people want to do. Um, but, you know, the, the, the SCP Foundation has this wonderful thing. They say, well, there is no canon. Um, and if uh, there are um, uh, people um, interested in making their own cannons, that's that's fine. Uh, like I'm gonna call my my own cannon like the Bonsard first or something, um, because I mean, what 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 stops there from being a different atlas, you know, where yeah. other strange stuff happen? So, um, I. I I, I say that, but I know my ego is, is going to be very upset when I see people do things that are, oh, that's not how I intended that to be used or, or, or the theme, whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, originally uh, my uh, my goal was to create like a very loose canon uh, where uh, readers can like pick and choose their own uh, interpretations um but we'll we'll see i mean if if there is going to be a community of readers and writers um because i'm, I'm not even that far ahead yet uh we'll see um you know if if they want to do a very close-knit collaboration so everyone like starts exploring their own own things and conflicts or uh yeah it's going to be like you know whatever you know and, and we'll see we think this is fun we think this is an interesting steampunk concept because the originally the point was not so much to create a canon 
that that's something that that happened more after i i didn't think that people would would be in that engaged with certain characters sure uh but um yeah, you know, the, the point is to 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 explore ideas and, and not so much to create a, a a consistent series, as to as to speak. Okay. Well, on that note, we will take a real quick break. We'll continue our discussion about the association of Ishtar and all of the stories part of the Retro Future Research Foundation. Uh, Bonsart Buckle is our guest today. We will be right back with more right after this. Stand by. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here inviting you to join us every Saturday for news, science fiction, fantasy, and horror headlines from the week, plus interviews, updates on events going on around the world, and the weather forecast for the same. It's all wrapped up in one neat package for your weekend. We call it Good Morning Multiverse. Every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Helps to push the right button there. (laughs) We are back live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here. And we're talking steampunk. My guest, the author, Bonsart Vocal from the Netherlands. And I want to uh, I want to just touch base here for just a moment, if I could, about your uh, the Retro Future Research Foundation. I want to I want to touch on that here for just a second because this is your uh, this is your YouTube presence. And actually, that's my second YouTube channel. Uh, My main YouTube channel is Radio Retro Future. Okay. And. Uh, yeah, this is. Um, I I wanted to experiment with a format that was going to retell. Um, but f- finish your question. Sorry. Well, no, I, I was I was just saying because the the retro future. I think you were you were actually getting into an answer there. What the retro future research foundation, all the retro future radio stuff, how that ties into association of Ishtar, or does it? Is this a completely separate thing? Or are they all connected? Uh, well, uh, I, I wanted to, uh, do a kind of, um, uh, thing with, uh, with Denker Lexicon that he has, was actually existing in an existing universe. And, um, yeah, retro radio, retro future had to become like a, a kind of physical place as it were. Now we also, uh, I still do if, if Corona allows it, uh, oops, I just said the Voldemort word anyway, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I already had this character, and Dan Collection was presenting these uh, the the steampunk beginners guide, and of course the interviews. So I, I wanted to create like an actual physical place, and that place became Arcology. I actually made a video uh, on that. That's also on the Association of Star website, and. Um, yeah, and, and the, the idea was that it, I, I wanted it to be a blend. I wanted it to be kind of like what resembles some of the philosophy, the, the more philosophical aspects of steampunk. So it had to become like this 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 strange uh, cabinet of curiosities uh, where you can find anything from any culture from any time and it needed to be surrounded by danger. Um, 
so uh, you know it is surrounded all these Lovecraftian creatures, so to speak. And uh, yeah, they're they're all scavengers. They're all recycling stuff that they're finding in what is essentially this huge space station that is their world. And um, yeah, all these people are denizens from worlds that are destroyed. They are brought there by the White Zeppelin, on which I also made a video. And at the center of that city of arcology is a huge tower that is Radio Retro Future, where Denkert is, the founder uh, of that place. Um, and uh, his story I have yet to fully write, uh, but uh, he's more and more being inspired by the Shadow uh, Pulp comics, uh, by the Shadow character. So he has a lot of the 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 the, the, the traits of the Shadow. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, one of his um, projects is the radio uh, is the Retro Future Research Foundation, which is like this. Uh, small uh like f fake university run by uh, a character the community called uh fritz gerald h bendel smith and uh yeah he, uh, i only made a few videos uh, for it one for guns of icarus a video game uh, for which i had to write the lore myself uh, and and the other one is one of my favorite uh, science fiction series last exile now, uh, this sounds like, you know, Radio Retro Future uh, sounds like it would be something that you'd find at Miskatonic University, for example. It's, it does have that same kind of uh, historical research aspects to it. You know, I, I would say that uh, some, of, some of your people would probably fit right into a Lovecraftian story. Are, are, you, are you leaning toward that? a little bit more with some of your stories or you're trying to do just a little bit of everything? Oh, yeah. Well, well, I, I mean, um, I try to, to let it have like uh, a folks on steampunk. So it's, it's the conflict is often between humans and, 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 and technology. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the thing with machines is they're built for a purpose. So who built them, uh, you know, uh, for what what end what what's the what's the end goal and 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 uh, yeah so there 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 are a lot of um, themes related to uh, cosmic horror uh, there um, especially uh, with this story which is uh, inspired by me and a friend um, how do you say uh, spending time behind the ham radios and at the time uh, there was a radio channel uh now known mostly as the lincoln poacher because it always started with the lincoln poacher tune and then it had this array of numbers uh in uh, that was uh intended for secret agents uh, i think it was suspected to be used by scotland yard i think uh, it's no longer in use i think it stopped broadcasting somewhere in the early 2000s um but uh yeah it's very eerie when you are sitting behind like an old radio uh you know like in the old steampunk novels where there's a lot of references to 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 snowstorms and and white noise uh you know we cannot imagine that anymore what it is like to to have that experience of listening to a car radio in the middle of the night during yeah. a rainstorm and you're you're searching for a channel you know that's 
that that has a very nostalgic aspect for me, but also something very creepy. You know, <laughs> who is who is sending uh, you know invisible voices? Who is sending out that transmission? Who's really speaking? Right, and, and that uh, that is. Go ahead. No, oh no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish your thought. No, no. Well, I wanted to end on that. Uh, that is what exactly what inspired the call girl. Uh, who has your number? That's also, the, by the way, why all the associates have numbers instead of you know fancy code names. So it's kind of um, like because... a kind of like a uh, a double o seven type of designation there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good uh, good comparison. Yeah. I I would be remiss if we have this conversation about steampunk and I don't talk about our own steampunk aesthetic. Uh, this is uh, this is a a sign, and you see this behind me, but this is a better uh, look at it. Uh, the steampunk accoutrements over there on the side of the sign that uh, our our friend Ray made way back in the day. This is a complete surprise. Uh, this showed up, and uh, it's it's funny because we you see the steampunk stuff every now and again, but it just doesn't seem to be not overwhelming. But it it feels like. There's just a little bit of it. And I know there's more than probably what we're aware of. But whenever you talk about, you know, writing steampunk stories, do you ever get anybody looking at you like, steampunk, what's that? How, how familiar do you think I mean, just the everyday average person on the street is with steampunk? Because we hear well, about it in the pop culture, like you were talking about, but I, I, I'm, I'm wondering if people actually understand what it is. Um, well, not, not really. Uh, I think it's, it's, it really depends. Sometimes uh, I'm surprised that people know the term. Others may have heard the term, but they don't really know what it is. Or, you know, people who play uh, video games, they, they know it because it's pretty common. There are also quite some successful uh, video game titles with a steampunk aesthetic, like They Are Billions, Rustpunk is coming out of the second part, uh, Iron Harvest was pretty successful. Um, so there, there definitely is a market there. Uh, but when it comes, I, I think the, the problem with, uh, with the, the, the movies in particular and the books... Uh, well, with the movies, it's easy. They're just not very good. Um, and uh, that, that that's a thing. And, and one of the, the, the issues, with, and this is kind of like a problem with sci-fi in general, is like they often have this, this, this one idea. I think Mortal Engines is a very good example of this. Like they have this one idea, like, ooh, driving cities, you know, and that kind of like sounds awesome. But when you're actually looking what they've done with it, it's very minimal. Um, it's it's basically when you you summarize the plot, it's just a typical fantasy story, and that's that's an issue that um, you know a lot of people they 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 love the aesthetic and they want to write something in the aesthetic, but the world building is you know based often just typical fantasy where they come up with some uh, you know unobtainium esque uh, resources for their steam to legitimize their steam power and uh, yeah the, the worlds are often not very credible and uh, when it comes to well for example art or, or cosplay very hard to reproduce so, so what are the what are the challenges that you run into 
as far as making sure that you're telling a steampunk story that actually works as a steampunk story. You're not just taking an idea and slapping a bunch of copper tubes and 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 wire to it and a, a few gears out of a clock and say, oh, it's steampunk. Well, what what I do, like, uh, for, for me, I really focused on the world building. And one of the things was that, you know, I wanted my stories to be mysteries. And we, we already talked a little bit about the Lovecraftian aspect of the world. So everything, all the characters needed to remain as human as possible. And um, when it comes to steampunk, a lot of, especially uh, aspiring writers, let's call them, they immediately start with, oh, and I'm going to give my, my characters like these awesome gadgets, you know, and they can do this and they can do that. And, you know, I, I'm like, I, I don't know what the hell to do with such a character. Well, what, what can I do with such a character that can do everything, you know? Right. Um and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I got this response uh, when you look at the cover uh, of this book. Um, you know, it, 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 somebody replied, oh, it looks all very Victorian, um, despite a lady working in the background on a cyborg there. But anyway, um, and that said, yes, because if, if they're, they're, it's, a, it's a multiverse, you know, there are so many worlds they can explore. But if I make the first world, the main world where everything takes place, where all the characters are from, is this fantastical steampunk world. You know, what's there left to explore? You know, nothing, right. nothing matters anymore. It's, it's, it's all the same thing. So uh, I left it as, as mundane as possible. Um, like there, there are a lot of science fiction concepts going on, particularly in the background to, to explain like the abundance of electric cars, for instance. Uh, but, but I really had to like keep the fantastical where it should belong in the fantastical realm. I, and, uh, I think that's... it's interesting though, the, that we associate steampunk with the Victorian era of, of history more than we do anything else. But really, you could take that that idea, that design aesthetic, for example, uh, and like we've seen, like, you know, I mentioned the animated Batman series before, and we get a little bit of that in the animated Superman, but there are other... There are other aspects of the steampunk design that could be applied to other types of stories. You don't have to necessarily stay in the Victorian era. Mm -hmm. You can take that, you can take various different time periods and add some some steampunk aesthetic to it. But I'm not sure that it 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 doesn't necessarily affect what kind of stories you tell. Does it? I mean, do you when you go in and you sit there and you say, "Okay, this is going to be a steampunk story," rather than a horror story or a murder mystery or anything like that? I to me, it seems like steampunk is the is the wrapping on the box, not necessarily what's in the box. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, the like I said, the, first of all, there's the issue with the with the with the steampunk aesthetic. And one of the, the things that I've come across, uh, especially now I'm working with artists, you know, when I say, well, I want a character in a in a steampunk world. Uh, one of them uh, I recently worked with, he provided excellent work, by the way. No, no problem there. But he he, um, he missed uh, some parts of the instruction that uh, said how the character uh, should look like, which was like a historical Victorian gentleman 
but um, he has, uh, you know, he has like one science fiction weapon, uh, which he hides in a sheath. So nobody notices it until he draws it. So he looks like a normal, well, let's say in the, the 007. Right. And um, he, uh, uh, yeah, but he, he missed a part of that instruction. So he came up with this this character that was like, uh, it could have been for World of Warcraft, right? <laughs> right. And th- th- that's the, the one major issue that I noticed. And I actually wrote a blog about this, about historical steampunk, which is on my website. And uh, there I discussed this issue that a lot of artists, um, and this also goes for writers, is that because there is no lore, there is no... You know that one steampunk story that everybody loves. Uh, everybody goes for this cosplay version of steam uh, of steampunk. Like yeah. when the, the the first difference engine, one of the first books that was actually intended to be steampunk, which is cyberpunk in the past, which is just also well, I I've taken that very literally in my book. Um, you know, it's it's like it's it's like retrofuturistic, but everything feels and and looks Victorian. Um, but there are these science fiction elements in the background. You know, they've got like these 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 advanced automatons that they're starting to develop. They have like, of course, the difference engines, the primitive computers. And, you know, and, and they've taken those few ideas and just let them see, okay, what happens to our history if those those computers are there? And, uh, you know, and all the, the political conflicts and unrest that, uh, that are caused by that. And that's basically what I've done. I've basically taken a world. I said, okay, this is 1870 uh, because uh, I like to. Uh, Bismarck was murdered uh, successfully, I should say. Uh, so uh, he was not the Iron Chancellor this time. And, uh, yeah, Germany does not unify in the Franco-Prussian War. Um, and there was also all these rifts uh, originally discovered by Napoleon, presumably, uh, because he fires something akin to V2 rockets on England um, during the Napoleonic Wars. And, um, you know, it, it's that type of thing that they cannot take uh, physical objects from other worlds and use them, uh, but they can take ideas. Yeah, Those don't die. So you've got this entire market... Uh, emerging uh, from people dealing in that knowledge, in that type of knowledge. Um, and, you know, you've got like the, 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 the concert system, of course, the political system of the time to keep the peace in Europe as much as possible, you know, and they're like, oh, we've got like all these ideas for, you know, assault rifles and intercontinental missiles pouring in. Uh, so they they try to 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 regulate it essentially, which leads to the creation of several organizations, and the association of Ishtar are kind of like outsiders of that system, but they also cooperate with it. Um, so there there is like a lot of conflict there as well. How much um, of a challenge is it to include real world politics and modify it to fit? the history in your books because like you say you're you're looking at an alternate universe type of thing an alternate earth history you know uh it's it's very much feels like kind of those uh uh kind of those alternate history books that we get from people like uh um oh i've just gone blank on his name 
Eric Turtle Flint. Dove? Eric Flint oh, or, okay. um, uh, t- yeah, Harry Turtle Dove would be the other one. So when you take, like with Otto von Bismarck, for example, you take things that were historical events and you modify them, how, how much do you feel like you have to get that right even if you're modifying it, you know, you have to you have to be very careful on the different things that you change because that affects all of these other things. So is that is that a lot of research or is just, do you feel like you can get away with various different modifications because you're changing it all? Um, well, uh, I mean, uh, because of all the changes that have already occurred uh, at the time that my story begins, I'm not that concerned about it. Like, I do try to see, like, how were, like, country lines, uh, you know. Um, so I, I do have, like, evenings where I, I delve into these entire uh, uh, rabbit holes of research. Like, for example, uh, like, how, how far were they originally with electric cars? Uh, pretty far, a matter of fact, uh, which is often overlooked because, again, they think in terms of pop culture, not right. history, uh, with a lot of, of steampunk stories. So, um, yeah, I've delved into quite some some rabbit holes, um, but I, I do try to 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 at least make reference to the actual events in in some way or another. Yeah. And uh, one of the things is that makes people curious. You know, when you use a name of a character that's a reference to somebody, people start googling it. And it's like, oh, look at that. Uh, you know, when uh, I refer to one of the characters in the second chapter uh, that her parents were orangists from the Netherlands. Now, most people won't know outside of the Netherlands what an orangist is. Uh, but yeah, people start Googling that. And that's like, oh, that's what that is, you know? Right. And um, that, that that's the fun thing about it. And because you, you can, uh, like, substitute... Um, political characters or, or political figures with other people, um, you know, it's you can still say, well, what if this character did this and what if that character did that? Like one of the main companies in the world is called Utter Crap, and uh, it's it's basically what if uh, Tesla and Edison were married, and. Um, yeah, what what does that do? So, uh, I I played a lot with that, and yeah, um, I've I've been surprised with the the kind of 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 political stuff that I've gotten away with. Uh, quite frankly, where I where I thought you know if I talk about this, you know, people will say, oh, you you must be that type of person if right. you you. But no, they 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 then people turn off that that tribalism and. Uh, and they just enjoy the story and the ideas, yeah. So you haven't run into the cancel culture yet with with any of the stories that you're writing? Uh, not yet, but, <laughs> I mean, uh, like you say on your show, you know, we can't help it if you choose to take offense. Yeah. So, yeah. but I, I have not, I'm not, a, not an interesting enough mark, I guess. <laughs> well, speaking of, of rabbit holes, are you familiar with the Wold Newton universe over on uh, Philip Jose Farmer's website where he connects everybody to everybody? Jim Kirk, James Bond, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, it's not. it's really interesting. It's a, it's a very, very deep dive. Because I, me- I mentioned the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen before and mm. this idea of connecting a various different... 
uh, literary figures that are in the public domain, for example, Sherlock Holmes, John Carter, uh, Randolph Carter, and, and that sort of thing. Have you been tempted at all to take literary figures from other stories to incorporate into yours, or you, you, you're going to stay with just your original characters for now? Uh, well, like I said, I take inspiration from them. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, like I already mentioned that I'm modeling Denkard Lexicon after the shadow. Um, no, I, 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 I never been much of a consumer in that regard. I never been much of a fan of, of anything. Um, you know, the, the, the shows that are the things that I've been fan of, I think I can count them on like one hand. That's like last exile. And, you know, Ghost in the Shell is, is a major influence for me. Um, but that that's, you know, a fallout. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, if I go to the, I, if I take the effort, I could probably take some things that I'm really a fan of. But, yeah, eh, you know, I, I never, you know, you don't see any merchandise uh, <laughs> behind me and you know, anything. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not that type of person, but if, if somebody wants to have a crack at it, I mean, that's fine with me. So what is it that's coming out next in this universe for you? What are you working on now? Um, well, currently I am, uh, working, uh, like I said, I already written uh, a script for, for, uh, for, uh, for a comic, uh, but I'm looking for, for artists who are interested. Um, I, uh, I'm working on a uh, coloring book for adults, uh, so uh, with images uh, from the from the book. Uh, those same images will be included in the hardcover version of the Ranch in the Machine. Um, I'm also working on like the the side story that I mentioned, the Coffin Girls. It is called, which is about a French Imperial Penal Legion uh, who have the unpleasant task of dealing with large scale uh, outsider invasions uh, using. Uh, special technology uh we also want to make new videos uh we want to make like a kind of like one that's closely related to the white airship which is uh the living cemetery which is also one of the short stories um i'm also my uh editor has promised to look uh, at the other stories and see if we can turn it into an anthology of sorts so I'm not sure how we're going to do that because, like I said, they're case files. So some of them might be a bit on the dry side. I'm not sure if people would be interested in that. Um, if somebody is has an opinion, please let me know. Um, and, uh, yeah, so for the next five years, I want to try to to publish as much as possible, at least. Um, I'm also working on a kind of a sequel to the wrench of the machine um at least has like some of the characters from the original novel it's not like a trilogy where there is like this 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 big goal at the end um who knows maybe in the future i'll do something like that but i don't think it's very likely and uh yeah and then in five years i uh, i hope to have enough material to make a solid board game or something or uh, an rpg module well, that would be because fun. I have not made those yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> good luck with everything. Uh, there are several places where you can find the work here: Radio Retro Future and the Retro Future Research Foundation. Both of those having uh, sites on YouTube. Bonsart is also on Twitter, 
And we have the association of Ishtar.com. We're going to put links uh, to all of these in the notes for everybody to uh, to go follow and find and see what comes next. So, Bonsart Bokal, thank you very much for being here, sir. Yes, we thank you for having me. definitely have you back, and we'll talk about new projects as they come out and see what happens. Oh, awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. And we do thank all of you for being here, and uh, those of you who were live with us, Sci-Fi Snob, Alexander, uh, Vander Van Graaff, Cam, Keely Chow. It was good to see you all here in the chat as well. But those of you who are here on replay, you can leave a comment with your thoughts, or you can send us feedback live from the bunker at scififorme.com. Don't forget, uh, we have other shows that we do here tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, the H2O podcast. We've got a brand new discussion. I'm not exactly sure what yet. And uh, over this past weekend, of course, we had a new Good Morning Multiverse and a new Foreign Bodies dropped. So we do invite you to check that out at your convenience. And if you're new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe, have your notifications turned on so you know when we put a new show out. And we will do this all again tomorrow. Next week, make a note, uh, right now it's looking like next Wednesday, we will have Richard Hogue here from Hogue Law to talk about the Activision Blizzard debacle. Uh, so that's coming up next Wednesday uh, here live from the bunker. And of course, next Monday, we've got our monthly money talk and we're going to be loaded. So check that out uh, next week. So in the meantime... Look at all of the rest of our videos. Remember, always ask, who benefits? And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.